The gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 35 through 42. Let's listen for the word of the Lord speaking to us here and now. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A clergy colleague of mine recently worked at VCU Hospital as a chaplain last fall. She described over coffee this week a newer initiative that VCU has been working to put into practice, particularly in their emergency department. They call it the pause. The emergency department at VCU treats about 300 patients a day. In the midst of this care, a number of the patients do die. So often, the emphasis for staff is to get back to work, to get back out on the floor, get on with caring for the next person. There's very little time to spend any time at all on the emotions that might be raised in that room, one room. As you can imagine, as you might know if you are a doctor or a nurse or a therapist, such intensity of work is not only hard for families and patients, but also for staff. Emotions, intense emotions, can be exhausting. And even if you shove the emotions aside for a while, they will burst forth somehow, some way, eventually. Jonathan Bartles, a palliative care nurse liaison at the University of Virginia, developed what he calls the pause. It is not intended to be a fix for the pain, frustration, grief that comes after a death. Instead, it is a time out in order to just simply acknowledge that all of these emotions exist. This is from an article on VCU Health. The pause is 30 to 45 seconds of silence immediately after the death of a patient to honor his or her life and to distinctly mark the importance of the moment at hand. Anyone can call the pause from the tech to the doctor. It is a brief time out for everyone involved to collect, reflect, and help bring closure. Beyond that, it's a moment to acknowledge the tremendous effort and care that had just been offered. This concept is seemingly simple, but hard to justify personally. Staff in an emergency department can always convince themselves to move along fast, not to slow down too much, because there is always someone else who needs help just a bed away. But the pause is necessary. As one of the clinical coordinators in the emergency department described, we are looking at a person in a bed who did not plan on coming to see us that day. This is a brother, a friend, a parent, 
And we acknowledge and recognize the team that gave their heart and soul to try and resuscitate the patient. The pause is about realizing that, yes, I'm thinking about all the other folks we have to take care of, but just for this finite period of time, I'll be in the moment with this patient and with my team members. For the past year, a committee has been working tirelessly to encourage the pause in every department. The official rollout of the pause happened hospital-wide on November 15th. The staff say they are spreading one message for one simple act. They pause because they care for the patient and his or her family, for the team and themselves. I am struck reading this article, hearing my chaplain friend talk. I'm struck by how much work it takes make us slow down, to pause even after a profound moment like death. So often we have deeply absorbed the idea that time means money, that we struggle to pause our lives long enough to take a few deep breaths and acknowledge something that has just happened to us. No wonder so many of us lie awake in the night going back over the events of our day. I wonder when was the last time that you stopped moving in the middle of your day, besides from this worship service? Because this is countercultural to pause in the middle of your week and just simply be in the presence of God. I wonder when was the last time you took a moment to recognize and honor something took time to acknowledge the emotions of a particular moment, whether those emotions were hope and excitement or grief and disappointment. I wonder when was the last time that you took an intentional pause, and I wonder what it was that made you finally slow down. Today is Palm Sunday, a day of festal processions and palm-waving We sing, we remember Christ walking to Jerusalem's gates, and we begin the next fateful week, Holy Week, as we call it in the church calendar. This is a week when we remember Jesus' journey from being a rabbi who's teaching in the hill country, who entered the gates of Jerusalem and ended up an executed Messiah nailed to a cross. Next Sunday, will be Easter, where we will witness to the resurrection and discover what it means for God to be doing something new, even in the midst of death. But we have a long way to go before Sunday. This week, we will follow Jesus as he walks us through different struggles and trials and emotions. There are many different ways of doing this. But today, we start with hope and expectation. Today is Palm Sunday, Today we hear the disciples exclaim with shouts of praise and we join with our own singing. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven, the disciples shout. Their exclamations cannot be contained. They burst forth and reverberate like rocks that must shout. The disciples here in the text echo the angel chorus from Luke chapter 2, where the hills of Bethlehem ring as all the beings of heaven sing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. This procession through the streets of Palm Sunday probably feels like the moment that the disciples in our text have been waiting for. 
These women and men have been traveling with Jesus for years. These faithful disciples have heard Jesus talk about a new kingdom so many times. And now Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, enacting the prophecy from Zechariah when the people are going to finally be freed from their oppressors. And so the disciples are dropping everything to celebrate this moment. They pause their daily life, the work of waking and sleeping and feeding and tending, and they join the parade. The celebration bursts out of them with so much passion that that makes the Pharisees a little uneasy. Can't you get them to keep it down, they say to Jesus. Tell them to be quiet. But Jesus knows that now is not the time to be quiet and carry on as usual. Now is not the time to just get on with the day. Now is the time to hit pause and parade through the streets. Now is the time to share all the hopes of your heart, all the passions of your spirit. Now is the time to shout and shout it loud, glory to God, God is coming. But the interesting thing is these emotions of excitement and hope are not the only emotions expressed in these few short verses. Right after Jesus refuses to shush the unseemly shouts of his followers, he does something a bit unexpected. He cries. Jesus is at the gates of the city, perhaps even still on that colt, and he is weeping. With the shouts of his followers echoing in the air, he rides up to Jerusalem, a city of such importance and power, and he pulls up to the gates and he pauses again, and he pauses to weep. We don't often include this part of the passage in our Palm Sunday reading. We don't usually make space for tears that come right after the parade. We might be more inclined to imagine that this day ends in a triumphal entry, and if we didn't even tune in to what's happening in the church until next Sunday, we might jump from the parade and celebration of Palm Sunday to the celebration of Easter. But so much more happens in this story. And here, Jesus weeps. In our everyday life, we don't often make space for the way emotions can jumble up against each other. We don't like to admit how worry can wiggle down deep even in the midst of greatest joy. We don't like to acknowledge how grief can erupt like a geyser through the crust of our daily habits and routines. We might be carrying on with life, and then suddenly we find our cheeks drenched in tears. We want to hurtle forward as usual, and we find we cannot, that we are forced to stop, to pause, to halt, weeping in the doorway or at the gate, whether we want to or not. Luke knows that emotions can surprise us, that they are not always neat and tidy. And so we see Jesus riding high, carried on a tide of hope and promise, the highlight of of someone's life, you can imagine. And he comes through the celebrating crowd and he approaches the city walls and then he starts to cry. It probably doesn't make sense to the onlookers themselves. But sometimes life is like that. 
the parade is still important. It is important that the disciples celebrate. It is important to celebrate. It is important that the disciples share what is making their hearts shout with joy. Even if tears come soon after, the parade is not a lie. There is a time for celebration and hope. This is why Jesus refuses to shush the people. He knows that now is the time to celebrate. Today is Palm Sunday, and today we pause our busy lives, and we make time to worship and sing at the top of our lungs all glory, laud, and honor, even if we have so much other things going on in our lives. I wonder what else this day of parade, though, this day of parades and celebration can show us as we go into our week. I wonder how today might prepare us for tomorrow, for what comes next. I wonder how sharing our hopes and excitements together now might teach us about sharing our griefs and disappointments later. And I wonder what we would discover if we stopped and asked ourselves, what am I pausing to honor with my time and attention this week? How am I pausing to celebrate and how am I pausing to grieve? How am I pausing to praise and how am I pausing to lament? It's amazing how tangled life can be how messy the emotions, how intertwined something like death and life and love can become. We want these events, these emotions to stay neat and tidy, feel things at certain times, and then be done with it. But excitement can turn to weeping within a single donkey ride, and death can turn to life within a single act. I wonder how we might take more time and space to pause and acknowledge all of this. I want to share another story. It's a story of another ritual that happens in a hospital. Both of these stories come from hospitals, and I, it is not a coincidence. So much life and death happens in a short amount of time within the walls of a hospital complex. It forces people, staff, family, everyone present, to confront challenging things that we so often push off to the side. It forces relationships and rituals to confront life and death and illness and disability. You cannot hide from these things in a hospital. You have to figure out how to face them with honesty and with hope that lets you keep going. So here's another practice that has developed in recent years. It's a ritual that honors the overlap between life and death. It's a ritual that honors organ donors. Maybe you saw it in the New York Times this week, or last week. It was written by a doctor, Tim Leahy, titled Rituals of Honor in Hospital Hallways. Here's what Dr. Leahy describes from his hospital. The double doors of the surgical intensive care unit opened into a hallway crowded with hospital employees. A hospital bed emerged, and we all fell silent. Most beds roll out of the ICU briskly, en route to radiology or an operating room, whirring with the beeps and blinks of monitors and the quick conversations of busy nurses. This bed was different. 
It moved at a stately pace, and the team that accompanied it was changed as well. Nurses steered, but there was no chit-chat. People in street clothes trailed close behind the bed, unsure of where to look. These were the parents of the young woman in the bed, the one we had all come to honor. This was an honor walk for a dying patient about to donate her organs to others. Whether in Idaho or Tennessee or Oregon, hospitals across the United States are holding honor walks as dignified ways to honor each patient's final contribution. With the consent of loved ones and with the operating room ready for the organ donation to begin, all staff members are invited to participate. In my hospital, the clothing in the crowd reflected the different jobs we'd pulled ourselves away from. There were white coats and ties, crumbled blue scrubs, bouffant surgical hats, and expensive pinstripe suits. A priest wore a neon pink Hawaiian shirt over his clerical collar, looked up and down the hallway, and smiled. The honor walk takes place at an odd pause between life and death. Either brain death has been declared already in a donor whose heart still beats, or the donor's heart will soon stop beating. An honor walk is a powerful act of community. Something solemn, even sacred, happens in those 15 minutes in the hallway. We wait and talk with people from all professions and all walks of life. Together we honor a great sacrifice. We give thanks. We hope to give a grieving family presence in a moment of unfathomless, unfathomless loss. And as the young woman's bed rolled out of sight in my hospital, we all knew a private ritual would soon begin. Somehow, her parents would say their final farewells. And then in a brightly lit operating room, with all the high-tech tools of modern surgery at the ready, a masked surgeon would reach into the young woman's body in order to turn one family's devastating loss into new hope for numberless strangers. Today with our worship, we pause to honor a walk that is going to take us from life to death and back to life again. Jesus walks through the shouting crowd and soon finds himself at the edge of the city. We are with him. We stand at the gates with palm and praise. We pause in the moment to worship and celebrate. But he is going to keep going. And we can start to imagine what is going to come next. I wonder, will we keep following I wonder if we will keep going the rest of the way, down the hallway, down the street, and beyond. Right now, we pause to celebrate. Soon, Jesus will pause to weep. I wonder what it would mean for us to join him. Let us pray. Holy One, you walk with us through so many hills and valleys, celebrations and laments. Whatever we have gone through, wherever we are going, we turn to you again and pause. We offer up our time, our attention, our emotions, and our very lives. In your holy name we pray. Amen. <laughs>